the SEN app. Thanks for your time this morning and I'm looking forward to our discussions this morning around a whole range of sporting issues. I'll start with the Sydney weather because weather's going to be a topic again today. So for Sydney, tops of between 25 in the city and 30 out west, but clouds around and 20% chance of rain. So slight chance of a shower. The showers will increase tomorrow and a couple of showers at the back end of the week. But the weekend at the moment is looking okay. If you're thinking about weekend sport, just partly cloudy and tops in the mid-20s there. In terms of the weather for India and Australia's semi-final against South Africa, not looking so good. Not looking good at all, in fact. So it leads us to the question of what happens if Australia's semi-final versus South Africa is a washout. So here's the weather forecast over there. Let's hook straight into this. Eden Gardens in Kolkata. So the match will start at 7.30pm Thursday our time, so tomorrow night our time, which is 2 o'clock in the afternoon local Indian time. The forecast for Kolkata on Thursday throughout the day is a 60% chance of showers and then an 80% chance of rain into the night. So a 2 o'clock start, they're thinking showers in the afternoon, rain in the evening. Um, For those who like to dig into the Bureau of Meteorology forecasts, there's a difference between showers and rain. And the difference is showers sort of come and go, rain is rain. So whenever you see the word rain on a forecast, that's when you know it's more than likely going to be wet. Whenever you see showers, yeah, maybe. 12 millimetres is the expected forecast for rain over there on Thursday night. So what happens then? Well, if they can get enough play in in the afternoon over there with a two o'clock start maybe they'll get a result because it looks as though the night time is going to be really risky otherwise they've got to go into a reserve day which would be friday and it's even worse on friday rain around during the day and rain at night and 12 millimeters again so the difference there showers in the afternoon tomorrow into rain friday rain rain So how does it work with reserve days? Well, the umpires try to make every effort to complete the match and they can reduce it to a minimum of 20 overs per side. Hello, Marcus Stoinis. That may answer the question of Marcus V. Marnus. But if they can't get 20 overs done, then a reserve day comes in. Last uh, time it was needed was in 2019, the semi-final between India and New Zealand at Old Trafford. If they can't get 20 overs per side across the two days and the matches and no result, the team that finished higher in the group stage will go through to the final. That means South Africa would go through to the final ahead of Australia. And when you think about Australia's start in particular throughout this World Cup, that's where the sluggish start and some early losses will harm us at the back end. So how did they finish? Well, South Africa finished ahead of us on net run rate. We both won seven matches and lost two for 14 points. So we finished second and third, South Africa second, us third. The net run rate, 1.261 for the South Africans, 0.841 for Australia. So it's interesting how we've been focusing on the fact that after a sluggish start, the Aussies really picked up the momentum and got those wins, and that's got them to the position where you think, They could keep on going with it. However, if the weather plays its hand, that sluggish start is going to hurt us and it could see us dip out. So let's hope, by the way, tonight for India, New Zealand, no sign of rain whatsoever. 
Let's hope that in Eden Gardens tomorrow, if there is showers into rain around, then let's hope that they can at least get 20 overs in. And like I say, if that is the case, then possibly Australia would be looking for the strength, the muscle, the blast factor of Marcus Stoinis. SENZ Mornings host Daniel McCarty will join us this morning. We'll cross into the Kiwis. They'll be calling that match tonight. So both semifinals and the final you'll hear right here on SEN from 7 o'clock this evening, 7 again tomorrow night. Socky Boy will join me too. Stephen O'Keefe will join me. I'll get his thoughts on where they're at and how you go about trying to contemplate um, planning for a match that's going to be interrupted by rain. You know, it, it looks as though either way there's going to be interruptions in that. So Sock will give us some insights into that. Tilly Carmichael was just on song the other night for the Sydney Sixers, and she's a great story. And because of her efforts the other night, the Sixers just got home. Kate Peterson hit the winning run off the last ball against the Hobart Hurricanes, and Matilda hit 32 not out, I think, of 21 deliveries. She's a former hockey roo, so we'll have a chat with her this morning. And also I'll catch up with my old mate Jay Lenton from Manly Cricket Club. Now, regular listeners of this program will know that I'm involved in Manly Cricket. I'm part of the coaching staff for the women's and I help out with the men's as well. They're a great bunch of guys and Jay is one heck of a leader. Tonight out of Pratton Park at Ashfield at 5.30 this afternoon, they, the Manly Cricket Club and Western Suburbs Cricket Club are getting together for a very special match. It'll be a celebrity cricket match and it'll be raising funds for the Mark Hughes Foundation and Brain Cancer Research in honour of a young bloke called Archie Gray who played for Western Suburbs, passed away this time last year, in fact, at the age of 17, succumbing to brain cancer. He played his last match of cricket, which he loved and was a gun at, between, it was between Western Suburbs and Manly, and there's been a connection there ever since. So this evening, there's going to be a very special match out there at Pratton Park. If you can get along and you're in the area, please do so. Brett Lee's going to turn out as part of the celebrities. Um, Michael Hooper's going to be there. Dan Christian will be playing as well. Steve Menzies is going to go out and roll the arm over, I think. So we'll have a chat with Jay and see what that's uh, looking like later on this afternoon. And from New South Wales Pride, Ash Thomas will be joining us this morning. I've got a $100 voucher to Archie's footwear to give away. Um, 100 bucks worth of Archie's thongs that you can pick up. They're so comfy you'll never take them off. And we're going to have a bit of fun this morning off the back of James Maloney signing on with the North Queensland Cowboys. So two-time premiership winner just popped up out of the blue with a two-year contract to join the North Queensland Cowboys as an assistant coach. He'll specialise in attack. He'll work under head coach Todd Payton, of course, um, and along with the other assistants. So well done to Jimmy Maloney and well done to the North Queensland Cowboys as well. This is where you come in because we were thinking this morning when Tommy and I were having a chat about this, you know, what else do you bring if you're someone like James Maloney? You just bring inspiration. So why don't we create a role today? Or you can create some more roles if you want. We've got CEOs, COOs, CFOs. We've got head coaches, assistant coaches, mindset specialists, physiotherapists, um, head conditioners. We've got the lot. And that's just not even scratching the surface. So why don't we create some roles? I want to know the chief inspiration officer at your club, the CIO. Who would you call on to be the CIO at the club? Come on in. You don't have to worry about spreadsheets and loads and all that kind of stuff. You just come on in 
and inspire the you-know-what out of them. Your, your business card has C-I-O. So why don't we do that this morning, 0457 736 736. If you want to create another role at your club and fill it with a former player or somebody who can come on in, then do so. And the best out of those will win that $100 voucher thanks to Archie's footwear. 0457 736 736 is the text line. 1300 01 1170 is the open line. Now, this one didn't take long. The salary cap exemption story that bubbled up over the last couple of days for CrossCode stars, and we've discussed this at length, and I was just waiting to see how long it would take before some clubs said, good idea, other clubs said, don't know about that. Not so much bickering yet, but rugby league's rugby league, and you knew as soon as this came out that there would be opposing views from inside different clubs. And that certainly happened. So we know the deal. The ARL Commission's thinking, well, let's have a look at salary cap exemptions and let's, in particular, if we've got rugby, uh, rugby union stars coming over, why not? My thoughts are, makes perfect sense. Why wouldn't you be thinking about this if you're the ARL Commission? In fact, if it's not on the list when you're sitting down and meeting, you're probably a little bit derelict in your duties. So they're on top of it. And then we get the flow-on effect of thought process from different clubs. Parramatta, well, the GM of football out there, Mark O'Neill, says, we've got an attractive game. It's worth exploring. I think it's definitely a threat. We need to consider that accordingly, as in, say, rugby union. I do support any innovative way and ideas that improve this scenario for NRL clubs. So Mark O'Neill at the Eels goes, yep, I'm, but we think it's good. Raiders CEO Don Ferner goes, hmm, well, maybe we should look at rewarding development clubs. He said, personally telling the Herald, I believe the emphasis needs to be salary cap relief for developing and keeping your own juniors, the kids that play rugby league. Keep the focus and resources going into league. And he said, for example, I imagine a team like Penrith would much prefer being able to hang on to their juniors rather than going out and trying to buy a Max Jorgensen or another rugby kid. Out at the Panthers, their football CEO Matt Cameron said, whilst it's an interesting idea, this one, to be targeting players from other sports for a top 30 spot, I think we've got more than enough talent in our own backyard. So, again, no bickering there, just opposing views or different views around this. And it does bring in the view of where do you want the money to go if there is salary cap relief for exemptions? Would you rather it go to snapping up a player from a rival code or would you rather it go to keeping your own juniors? The grassroots, grassroots, grassroots. Let us know your thoughts on that one. 0457 736 736. I don't know if you've seen Crash Craddock's article this morning in the News Corp papers about Joseph Suwale'i's move to Rugby Australia. He says it could be worse, as in a worse signing, than Eddie Jones. And you've got to read it to understand it. He said it's the damage his $5.3 million bolt from the Blues signing could do that's the worry for crisis-stricken rugby union officials who started a contract war with a brazen single shot across rugby league's bow but may soon find themselves dodging tank fire whistling back in their direction. <laughs> he's put it very well. So he's not having a crack at Joseph Suali'i here. He said rugby league's gearing up for a revenge raid on rugby. The size of... Suali's deal has thrown the entire contract system out of whack and will surely prove the adage that jealousy 
is a curse. So basically what Crash is saying is rugby's raid on rugby league via Joseph Suali'i and that big, big payday that they put out there might come back to bite them. And it might come back to bite them on a number of fronts. One, in the state they're in, and two, in the fact that Rugby League is now thinking, well, let's have some salary cap relief. Can you imagine the irony in all of that one? Let me know your thoughts. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. The Roosters have uh, got a little bit prickly about the Dragons and some of their antics. So Nick Politis, CEO Joe Kelly, have uh, had a bit of a crack at the Dragons players taking a cheeky dig at the Roosters in a video that announced the team's draw for the season. So in the video, they act out charades to guess their opponents for each round. Um, Dragon star Jack Bird mimed out a brown paper bag and teammate Kyle Flanagan goes, Roosters, right? So it's all, it's all you know what it is. It's a, it's a P155 take. Um, and the social media part of the draw has probably been the most exciting part of the draw, but the, the Roosters didn't like it. Let's have a listen to their response. Everyone jokes about salary caps and Brero. Does that annoy you? Yeah, very much so, yeah. You know, I think the Dragons players? It's just jealousy. It's stupid, you know. What did you think of the Dragons players last night? Well, I think it's... Uh, what do you say about them? You know, they don't know what they're saying anyway. I'm happy for other teams to be looking at us and we just focus on ourselves. Um, that, at the end of the day, that's all we can control is, is focusing on ourselves. And if others are looking across the fence, they're probably a little bit distracted. <laughs> Nick Politis and Joe Kelly there on that reaction. And that's the reaction you expect. It's like, righto, you've had your say, you've had enough, move on. But that's kind of the reaction that you'd expect too in a social media um, bit of a laugh isn't it? And, and it? and it is a bit of a laugh. I mean, are you worried about it? I don't know. I'm not a Roosters fan, so it doesn't bother me either way. But if you are, let me know. Give me your thoughts on that one. Benny Elias uh, is not too happy about the Balmain Tigers, the West Tigers draw for the 2024 season. For the first time since 2013, just the second time in the West Tigers history, there'll be no Sunday Arvo game at Leichhardt. So no Sunday afternoon game next year at Leichhardt Oval, and Benny's spot on. He says, it's a shame, it's disappointing. Tradition built this great game, and nothing typifies that more than Sunday afternoon footy at Leichhardt Oval. Even if you're not a Tigers supporter, it's one of the great afternoons. You can take someone from out of town to their first footy game on a Sunday at Leichhardt, and they fall in love with the place and the game. So Benny's bang on. So the five games that have been scheduled for Leichhardt Oval for the West Tigers. They will play. There are two Thursday night matches against Cowboys and Seagulls, two Saturday afternoon matches. So they do get an afternoon, but a Saturday, Titans and Storm, and against the Sharks on a Saturday night. Justin Pascoe said, we don't control who we're playing. We put in requests, and they're listened to and tried best to facilitate. I'd assume, he said, because there's 16 other clubs putting in similar requests. From a member's perspective, it would be nice to have some balance. So he's played a, a diplomatic game there and probably rightfully so as the CEO. But I think Benny Elias has got it bang on. If you can somehow find a way to get a Sunday Arvo footy game at Leichhardt Oval, then you should. Do not forget the tradition, the rivalry, the emotion, the romance, everything that goes with it. Um, it's not the funkiest place to go and watch sport. It's not the shiny new toy. 
But, geez, it's good, and it's a great afternoon. 0457 736 736 is our text line. So all of that is in front of us. Also, I'll bring you up to speed on what's happening in Rugby Union because Rugby Australia have signed a centralisation deal and New South Wales Waratahs are first to join up. What does all that mean? Well, we'll take a good look at that. Some news around golf, too, that's just coming through uh, over the last few hours, and it's got to do with the PGA Tour and Phil Mickelson has had his say on some of the latest developments. We will do all of that. I want to know your chief inspiration officer, a hundred bucks worth of Archie's footwear to the best shout this morning on 0457 736 736 or just a brand new club role. But it's got to come with a title and it's got to come with a name. Come back and join us after this. Right, here's a flip side uh, to Benny Elias's comments. Kane on the text line says, I think Benny's kidding himself. I took my partner to a Sunday game at Leichhardt. It took me two years to get it back to a football game as the experience was horrible. Well, that's, that's feedback, Kane. Thank you for that. And it's always good to get both sides of the story. And if, it, if it's not a good experience, then you're right. It's going to be hard to get people back. So I, I'm with Benny on the fact that you know, Sunday afternoon footy at Leichhardt is, is a romantic proposition. <laughs> it's an emotional proposition. But if it ain't a good experience, and you've obviously had it um, more recently than I have, then, yeah, we should examine that as well. Thanks for that. Let me know your thoughts. James from Hornsby. Good morning, James. What have you got this morning, mate? Good morning, Matty. Um, with the cricket, everyone's saying that the team back first has the advantage because you get more runs and it's because of the dew and that and it's harder bowling in the, in the evening. Um. With this Australia-South Africa game, mm. does the um, and they go to the second day and that, but is it going to be better to bat first or does the Duckworth-Lewis system, if that comes into effect, does that favour the team batting second, mm. I think, or is it the <laughs> team batting first? Now, and if it goes on two days and you yeah. say, all oh, right, we'll bat first and then oh, the, even, the night's rained out and they come back and they're bowling on the next day and it's a rain-affected pitch, but it's all sunny. What's going on? Why don't they just move it to a ground that's not going to be affected by a cyclone? I think it's pretty justifiable oh, well. to turn around and say, well, we've got a cyclone in the area. Let's move it. And I'm pretty sure they've got enough people there to get another stadium ready. Mm. Yeah, yeah, move it to another venue out of the way. I mean, look, A, wouldn't it be great if you had a stadium there that was just around the corner that had a roof on it? We didn't have to worry, but that's that's just, you know, not possible. They've got to play it where they've got to play it. So uh, I don't know what the answer is, mate. They're going to try and get a game in. They've got two days to play with. It'll be a, it'll be a real bummer if they can't get 20 yeah. overs per side across two days. But you're right. Have they got a backup plan? I mean, that, that's the, that's the backup plan. Think of the... Um Think of a, a loss of faith, if you want to put it, that the Indian cricket was going to face and suffer if all of a sudden, oh, yeah, the second semi-final got yeah. washed out. Well, yeah. how many other grounds have you got you could have used? Oh, but, yeah. but, but, you know, they should be just go, right, this is for the game, right? Stuff the city. You know, we want the game because it's worldwide. We want, mm. you know, we're on the world stage and we can't turn around and move one field to another. I tell you what, if this game tonight was going to be washed out, you watch them. They would have been playing it in Pakistan, I reckon, if they had a check. It was the only place. They would have moved over there. No problem. Yeah. No, mate, I'm putting I'm putting my TV hat on, right? So, all <laughs> it's good stuff. All roads will lead back to TV broadcast. Um, and what they'll try and do is they've got Wednesday 
and Thursday, say, for tonight's one. And then they've got Thursday and Friday if you want to add the reserve day in. And they'll be looking to try and get that final done on Sunday. They, they don't want the final messed around with because there's a reason where it is. So you can keep on moving around and then... I guess you can continue to play devil's advocate and say, right, you pick it up and you move it from Kolkata and you take it to wherever, and what happens if it rains there? Then you're doubly stuffed. So I guess, you know, they've got to put a rule in somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I would say, say, mate, that they're making the effort to to try and get it across two days. That's what I would say. I mean, otherwise it's just, you know, how how long's a piece of string, mate? Yeah, but Matty, just think about it. India would prefer to play South Africa in the finals in Australia. They're not going to move it. They'll want us to get Come washed on, out, so therefore they've got the, uh, the team of South Africa to beat. Oh, I love you. They don't want to now play you, Australia. What are you saying, that they've manufactured a cyclone around Kolkata? I mean, that's No, they haven't that's... manufactured it, but they've put, put us in the place where it's most po- more possible to get one and get us washed out and not get us don't play for Australia. That's what they're yeah. scared of. Y- you're a good man. Thanks, James. Appreciate it. Have a good no, day. Uh, good on you, buddy. Thank you. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is the open line number. Hey, folks, we've heard from Greg from Gundagai. I will, I will let you know what he said straight after the news. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 1170 is the open line number. Chris from Ballarat's on the line. Hey, Chris, just, just hang on a second. And Trevor's giving us a call too. Hang on a second, uh, boys, because you probably want to hear this. Greg from Gundagai has texted in. So we didn't hear from him. Uh, Monday, we didn't hear from him yesterday after his tipping antics. So this is the text, folks. Morning, Maddie. Greg from Gundagai here. I'm fronting up after my horrible tipping in the carnival. I haven't been in hiding, just been breaking in some horses for smart thoroughbreds out past Scone. I got thrown off a few and I'm a bit sore and sorry this morning, but that's the way I roll. Whoa, okay. Mate, I hope you're all right. I hope you're okay. So thanks for texting in. We'll we'll pick apart that, and I'm sure everyone's going to come in and have some fun. But let's quickly go to the line. Chris, good morning to you. Morning, Matt. Um, I don't think the Indians would care if it rains or not as long as they get the trophy. They'd probably happily take rain tonight, tomorrow, mm-hmm. and the day of the final and the day after. They've, yeah. Their media's come out and said that the, the pitch they're going to be on, what is it, um, slow at the request of the Indian cricketers. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. Well, mate, I, I don't know what to say about that, but aside from the fact that India is going to use everything it can in its power to get a, to get itself an advantage, um, if they can somehow if they can somehow manufacture rain, then hey, good on them. But you're right. I mean, they you know they just want everything to fall their way. So I don't know. Does it does it bother you that much? Moral, it'll be a moral World Cup win. A moral World Cup win. Take, take, yeah. a leaf from the, take a leaf from the English. It's all about the moral win. <laughs> okay. Thanks, mate. I appreciate that. Uh, Trevor, I'll come to you. Uh, I've got to get to a break in about a minute and a half, Trev, so fire away, mate. Uh, g'day, Matty. Um, I think Vossi or Brandy said that the Australia-South uh, Africa game doesn't start till 2.30 in the afternoon. Why couldn't they play at Two o'clock. 8 o'clock in the morning? I guess they could and probably TV. Yeah, yeah it'll start at two o'clock. The rain. Yeah, seven thirty okay. p.m. Seven thirty p.m. Australian time. So six thirty your time in Brizzy is two p.m. over there in Calcutta. So, yeah, perhaps that's the case. But from the weather forecast that I've seen, Trevor, it's going to be it's going to be wet during the day and wetter at night. So you're right. Perhaps they oh, could okay. move it. Yeah, perhaps they could move it 
earlier. I mean, obviously, it's all geared towards crowds and geared towards big money um, for TV yeah. broadcasters and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it'll be a two o'clock start. Um, but the, the concern for me is uh, the fact that there's rain forecast later. So it goes from shower. This is tomorrow. It goes from showers during the day to rain. And then on Friday, if they need a reserve day, it's rain, rain. It's 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 rain city. So, um, yeah, it's it's a good point, mate. You could move it earlier, um, but how much earlier can they go, and and what does that cost them? I mean, it's not it's not as though the ICC are short of money or the um, the Indian Cricket Board are short of money either. But this is an ICC run event, and they'll have to try and figure out a way. They'll be trying the ICC as much as India would like it, just to you know keep on raining. <laughs> They'll be trying yeah. their, down, their their darndest to get a, a full match underway. It's it's worth a heck of a lot of money in sponsors. Thanks, Trev. I've got a bolt, mate. I need to take a break because we've got to come back on the other side and synchronise our join with our good folks over at SENZ. Back after this. Daniel McCarty from SENZ will be joining us very soon. He's on air at the moment. So once they... Uh, once they clear their little bit over that side, we'll clear ours. Oh, that might be us. No, I'll get the thumbs up and we'll go in. Um, Simon says, Matty, I've, I've got a sign on my front door saying this house will have SEN playing from 6am till 8pm, enter at own risk. <laughs> Fair enough. At least, you know, mate, put one out in the front gate. Let's, let's let everybody know. Put a couple down the street. Go out in the bins if you can. And just uh, let the world know. Just a heads up, says uh, this listener here, CIO is already known as the Chief Information Officer. Yes, that's right. You're right about that. But I'm looking for um, a different kind of CIO. I'm looking for a Chief Inspiration Officer. Let's, who can be the person at your club? Matty, as we know, this fellow's having a hard time, but 100% this man, Mario Fennec, would be the best man for the CIO job at South's as in the chief inspiration officer, his passion for the team is undeniable and he wouldn't take you-know-what from anybody, says Nick. That's a good one. That's a real good one. CIO chief goes to all involved with USA Racehorse Cody's wish with all the crap going on. It's good to be reminded that people are good. So get investment uh, inspiration from absolutely anywhere. I think we're good to go with our mates over at SENZ. Are we good? Yes, we are. That sounds to me Hello, as though Dan McCarty's on the line. Hello, mate. Good morning to you. Welcome, welcome, yeah, welcome to this yeah. side of the Tasman. Well, I, I'm happy to be with you. Um, do you want a chief antagonising officer? I, I, I can play that role. CAO. <laughs> yes. yes. A CAO. Now, but, this, you know, this yeah. came about, Dan, last year when I was... Uh, part of the coaching staff, I, I was looking for ways to try and, you know, get our team all revved up. So I decided, because I'm weird, I decided to sit around and print out <laughs> business cards and give them all titles. So I had a chief inspiration officer, I had a chief vibe officer, um, a, a chief of attack. So yeah, 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 it was awesome. So I like the CAO, the chief and what was it? <laughs> Antagonisation. Officer. Antagonization. What were you, benevolent officer. dictator? Is that, is that what you have on your card? <laughs> benevolent dictator, something like that. We're, yes, and when you are, tonight. you know that you don't you don't need a yeah you don't need a card. When you're the benevolent dictator, you're just the benevolent dictator. Hey, um, how are you guys feeling about <laughs> India tonight? Um, there's a lot of focus on the weather for Australia v South Africa, but yeah. gee, this, this is going to be an enormous game. You'll be ca uh, calling it with Grant, with Peter McGlashan and Barat, of course, as well. So what's the general chat about from the Kiwi side of uh, point of view? 
Well, I'm desperately trying to find rays of sunshine, unlike the cold-cutter weather. Weather looks like it could rain from now until uh, the end of time, which is obviously not great for you guys, and we'll deal with that later. But you've got to try and find the sunshine because this Indian team is so darn good. Nine from nine at group play. The, the only the only weakness I can see in the, is in their batting lineup, numbers eight through 11. They have a longish <laughs> tail, but the problem is they've only been six down three times in this whole tournament. Such is the might and power of that top order and that bowling lineup. Like Muhammad Shami, like seriously, 16 wickets at nine at this tournament. And he's led a brilliant attack. So I'm trying to find the sunshine. It sounds all doom and gloom uh, because they're so very, very good. But let's be frank. New Zealand have a track record at being a thorn in the bum for India at ICC events. I've sort of dubbed us the Grim Reaper. Uh, you know, fear the Reaper India. Um, you know, when the curtains pull back and they're wearing black, it's us. We're here. Um, we, we will fight to the bitter end. And you've got to give us a puncher's chance, don't you? It would be a huge upset, Maddie. It would be a huge upset. But, you know, New Zealand have made the last two finals. Um, and there's a reason for that because they're a pretty good cricket side. Yeah, and a heck of a lot of pressure too, isn't there? I mean, there's always pressure on, on your national teams as there is with ours. What's been the, the general read? For Australia, it was kind of pretty simple, mate, aside from the fact that people have been falling off golf carts and all sorts of weirdness. But it was a sluggish start for Australia. They've now got the full squad back together. They hit the ground running after those first two matches, whereas New Zealand's form's been a little bit up and down. So what's been the read on your team throughout this and, and what you need to sort out before India tonight? Well, the bowling, really. Uh, in the three games leading up to their last group game against Sri Lanka, which turned into a must-win game, um, New Zealand fans wouldn't have wanted that. They wanted a much more comfortable sort of ride through the semifinals. I think New Zealand had conceded 943 or 45 runs at about 120 overs. Um, in the three games before that, that, does, that makes for some pretty sorry reading. Um, and had struggled to take wickets as well as going an alarming rate. They did a much better job, and the key was wickets in the power play. They had been so lacking in that, and when New Zealand's at their best, it's generally Trent Bolt and others picking wickets up top. There's no Matt Henry. He's out injured, unfortunately, but Tim South is a very, very experienced campaigner uh, and sort of balances nicely with Trent Bolt. But if I'm to say that the most important man, it probably is uh, Trent Bolt in my mind, if he can pick up wickets in the power play, because our batting has looked good. Uh, throughout this tournament, especially through the middle overs. Uh, overs 11 through 40, New Zealand have been particularly strong in that. But they're up against an attack who are so good at taking wickets throughout. So uh, lots of intriguing matchups. Um, but if we can just sow a little bit of doubt um, and then, you know, apply more pressure when you've got that doubt. Because, I'm sorry, all the pressure's on India. There's 1.4 billion oh, yeah. reasons for that. Yeah, yeah, 100%, mate. I mean, it's it's extraordinary. And can you imagine the pressure, especially knowing that they've gone through undefeated, everything's been going their way. And if they if they have a glitch here, it's go, it's probably, well, it would be. It'd be a worse glitch here than, than going to the final and, and losing the deciding match, I reckon. So it's, it's an interesting one for them. I, it blew me away yesterday, Dan, when I was doing some research around this about Rohit Sharma. So we know what he's been up to and how he's been leading from the front, quite literally, um, scored more power play runs he scored at a higher average yeah. quicker with more fours and more sixes than anyone in this World Cup. And then you go, well, that's awesome. 
but then what about those that then come after him as well? So if he fires, then it opens the gates for those that normally fire anyway. You've got Coley, you know, um, Shreyas Iyer, KL Rahul. They're, they're all there ready to pounce. And if, if you can shut down Sharma, perhaps you get an even better look in. Well, the problem is, it's not a case of cutting off the head of the snake because they come at you. You even even mentioned Shubman Gill, who might be one of the most talented young players going around. The kid averages over 60 in one international cricket. has a, has a double hundred to his name. Coley's got 49 hundreds. Sharma's got the most hundreds in World Cup history. Um, it's, a, it's a ridiculous top six. So that's why I identify sort of um, power play wickets. If you can take two or three, which New Zealand did at the last World Cup semi-final against them, I think they were three down for five. Completely different conditions. I get all of that. Uh, but, but they've got to find a way to get into the middle order and have that middle order under a bit of time pressure, knowing we've got to back quite a period of time here because we don't want to expose number seven and eight to too many balls. That's the path to victory, I'm concerned. And applying that pressure is what Australia just needs to do because of South Africa's history, right? They can't escape their history, having won just one knockout game. That was a quarterfinal. Never won at a semifinal stage. Um, I spoke to Neil Manthorpe, the long-time South African cricket commentator, a couple of days ago, and he said, brilliant uh, sort of story of uh, speaking to Rusty van der Dussen, um, who was like, hey, no, the history is not us. Uh, we're a different side. Uh, but then in the same breath started saying, I knew exactly where I was in 1992 when we lost the semi-final <laughs> to England. I knew exactly where I was in 1999 when Clouster and Alan Donald couldn't complete that single. Y- you can't ex- escape the past. So it's so much pressure on South Africa. And, you know, <clears throat> if Australia can keep it close and late, the green and gold win, right? That's just what happens. Mm. It's, that's the classic case of the history's not us, but, geez, I remember it. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, and, of course, we, we look at the weather for Australia v South Africa, and I've been going through this for my listeners here this morning. Not just the weather for Thursday, Dan, but the weather for Friday. So the reserve day, the weather actually looks yeah. even worse. At, at least there is a chance of showers tomorrow during the day. It'll be a 2 p.m. Kolkata time start so they can get it underway in the afternoon. But there's showers around in the other and then rain at night, whereas if they go to Friday, it's rain during the day and rain during the night. And that means that it's it's going to be heavy. If all that plays out and they can't get 20 overs per side, South Africa go through to the final because they finished ahead of us on net run rate. Yeah. And no, no one wants that apart from New Zealand cricket fans. We'll probably chuckle at you guys. Um, <laughs> just be prepared. Just be Thanks, prepared yeah, for that. Yeah, I know you're big, big enough and ugly, ugly enough to take it. But I, I can tell you this. Having experienced a two-day, one-day uh, semi-final against India, uh, Manchester, I think it was in 2019, it's not good yes. for the heart. Yeah. Um, you know, you go to bed, uh, you know, still pondering everything, uh, you know, looking back at every decision made, trying to forecast what's going to happen the next day. It can be a little bit excruciating. So I do hope they can actually get it done, firstly, and ideally on just one day for, for all of your fans and listeners. Let's hope we have a one-day, one-dayer instead of a two-day, one-dayer. Hey, good luck tonight. Good calling uh, tonight. Thank Wish you. you all the very best. Uh, there he is, folks. Uh, have a good day, Dan. Daniel McCarty joining us from SENZ, uh, our chief. Sue, I, I will, Maddie. Thank you so much yes. for your time. Uh, Maddie White joining us. Uh, My pleasure. Chief Antagonisation Officer, the CAO. Uh, beaming in live and exclusive from New Zealand. Full coverage tonight um, of the New Zealand v India match from 7pm 
right here on SEN for our Sydney listeners. So if you're already tuned in to Queensland, 6pm will be the start and then the match starts 30 minutes after that and exactly the same tomorrow night, hoping that we get everything underway. 0457 736 736 is our text line. Um, Greg from Gundy, so a couple of people are saying, well, hang on a second, you're shirking your responsibilities for what you said you would do if Airman didn't win. And I don't know if you were tuned in yesterday, but I, I was on board. Mate, I, I decided to back you. But that's okay. That's that's my call, not yours. Um, and a lot of people were wondering if there was CCTV being activated in the streets of Gundagai because Greg did say that he'd do a nude run through the main street. Um, but listen, mate, if you've been thrown off a few and you're a little bit sore and sorry this morning, just hope you're okay. We have a lot of fun on this program, but at the end of the day, we want everyone to be cool and, and okay. So I hope you're all right, mate, and bounce back. Thank you for uh, your input and a lot of fun. So CAO, the Chief Antagonisation Officer, is a new one. We've got a Chief Inspiration Officer. Have you got anything else? I know at Penrith they say here, Kane, they call Jerome Luai, the CEO, the Energy Officer. Yep. And uh, I've introduced this role to sporting teams I've played in. Really helps with long days on a cricket field. Yeah, and it's a bit of fun too. It's cool when you can come up with other roles. We need to take a break. We're back after this right here on SEN. Thanks for staying with us. 0457 736 736 is our text number. Keep them coming uh, this morning. Socky will join me soon. Get his thoughts on the way that the semifinals are going to play out. Matilda Carmichael from the Sydney Sixers, who was instrumental in the Sixers win over the Hobart Hurricanes the other night that came on the last ball of the match, will be my guest soon as well. Uh, in terms of the WBBL, Brisbane Heat v Hobart today. That one starts in a couple of hours. Adelaide Strikers will play the Sydney Thunder later on this afternoon, so a 3.30 start for that one. And then tomorrow, the Sydney Sixers will have the Perth Scorchers. And um, interestingly, that is Matilda Carmichael's, Dilly Carmichael's old team. Not to mention, aside from the fact that she's also a former hockey roo as well. So we've got a bit of ground to cover there. If you missed any of our first hour, you can catch up on our Mornings with Matt White podcast wherever you get your podcast. We've got a $100 voucher, $100 worth of uh, Archie's footwear to give away this morning. Archie's thongs are so comfy, you'll never take them off, especially when they're free. What you've got to do, 0457 736 736. Text me in this morning. We're looking for new roles at footy clubs. So Jimmy Maloney's heading up to North Queensland as an assistant coach, a two-year deal, and specialising in attack. So an assistant coach role is an assistant coach role, but we're looking for a chief something officer, chief inspiration officer, whatever you want to do, chief vibe officer. I mean, who, who delivers the vibe around your club? <laughs> Can you think of somebody past or present or something funky around that as well? Rugby Australia, by the way, have now signed a centralisation deal with the New South Wales Waratahs. So we've heard about this, and this is the strategic reset that Rugby Australia announced back in August, I think it was, and Phil War, you know, pointed that out when he fronted the press after the World Cup shenanigans. The Queensland Reds will be speaking this morning with my colleague Ben Davis up on SENQ. So once we get um, some word about what they've been saying and whether or not they're going to join, we'll bring that to you. But New South Wales Rugby Union is the first member union to formally commit to the centralisation. So what happens? Rugby Australia take responsibility for the Waratahs' high-performance operations, assets, liabilities and commercial arrangements. That's a big change. So it means that 
all rugby operations are then fully integrated and aligned with Rugby Australia's high performance and commercial operations. They're coming together. New South Wales Rugby CEO Paul Dorn has said, we're committed to the removal of the inherent conflicts and self-interest that have constrained meaningful progress in the, par progress in the past. And we're committed to the alignment of the high performance and commercial operations between our club and Rugby Australia. So the inherent conflicts and self-interest, New South Wales Rugby say we're committed to trying to sort all this out. Phil War from headquarters has said, I firmly believe this strategic reset is in the best interests of the game. Crucially, it delivers even greater priority to strengthening the community game, ring-fencing the investment of the community game and allowing State Union to focus entirely on grassroots and participation without the distraction of professional rugby. So there's the delineation of all this. Grassroots and participation levels stay under the banner of the member union. Everything else around the professional rugby operations, high performance, commercial, you know, sponsorship, marketing, membership, coaches, support staff, all of that comes under and is aligned with Rugby Australia's high performance and commercial operations. It sounds like one massive headache, and it probably is, but it's perhaps the headache that Rugby Australia has needed to take one heck of a Panadol for. And you wonder if this is it, and this is the first step. So New South Wales have done it. Let's see what the other member unions are doing. Uh, in terms of golf, so this is an interesting one. The PGA Tour and the Commissioner Jay Monaghan has sent a memo out to the players in the last day or so that has effectively said to the players, once we agree either with Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, PIF, or any US-based investment partners, the new PGA Tour that we all know is undergoing its change, you can buy into it. You can be a part of it. Direct ownership will be offered to PGA Tour members. So they've had a marathon meeting and board members, which include Tiger Woods, were given the update of potential investment partners. Now, it's more than likely that Saudi's PIF, the Public Investment Fund, will be the major partner here. And we, we, I would expect basically nothing else. However, there are other entities bidding for it. Fenway Sports, which owns the Boston Red Sox, Pittsburgh Penguins, Liverpool FC, are all trying to get a piece of what the new PGA Tour will look like. Um, after they reached an agreement with the Saudis on June 6. Now, all of that framework agreement expires on December 31, and that deadline can be extended. But, so that's the nuts and bolts. What it means is that the PGA Tour has done a massive backflip on its backflip, <laughs> right? The, the backflip number one was doing the deal here with PIF, saying, yep, yeah, we're going to look at a new structure. Backflip number two is now saying to the players who are on the PGA Tour or who have left or who are still part of the PGA Tour and perhaps playing on other tours, not only that, you can be part of it. You can own it. You can be a part owner. Direct ownership, which is incredibly rare for players on their own tour. Phil Mickelson has said via social media, what an amazing change of philosophy in two years. And he refers to a quote 
back to the PGA Tour leaders, Ed Hurley and Jay Monaghan, on October 30, 2021, which they said, if it's not 100% owned and controlled by the PGA Tour, it will be viewed as hostile. And what is an amazing change is what they've said now, and he's spot on Phil Mickelson in this. That's a backflip of Olympic proportions. Mickelson says, thank you, LIV, as in live, PIF, as in Public Investment Fund, His Excellency, and all the players willing to stand up to Jay's threats and disparagement to force positive change. So it's an up yours from Phil Mickelson back to the PGA Tour after they've two years ago saying, if we don't own it 100%, it's hostile. And if you're part of it, you're hostile too. Now they're saying, we're going to sell it off half and then some to either the Saudis or public investment somewhere, private investment through an organisation, and you can be part of it. So the hostilities rapidly fell away once the money rapidly started to come in. How Jay Monaghan is still in charge of that thing is anyone's guess. The hypocrisy is at a level that I reckon is unmatched in world sport. And they won't let him forget it. Don't worry about that. 0457 736 736 is the text line. And 1300 01 1170 is the open line number. Uh, morning again, Maddie. Greg from Gundagai here. I'm feeling a lack of love from the reptile. Has the reptile ever picked a winner? And does the reptile support the West Tigers? Uh, look, Greg, I'm not in the business of facilitating... Um, <laughs> text message fights between yourself and the reptile. Perhaps I am by reading them, so I don't know the answer to that, but I'm sure the reptile will come back, but let's not spend too much time. As long as you're all right, that's the main thing. But do give us an update on what your plans are, please, around the bet that you gave us. Not as in the bet that you gave us to go with Airman, because we know how that one came, Um, but in the nude run. Big Ted says he's listening in the app from uh, on the app from Lake Taupo. My mate once said, you can call me Mud if I'm wrong. And that's his name, Mud. 30 years later, it still sticks. So two, he said, I'll, once said, I'll run a nudie if I'm wrong. And he's up for the run in a cold Auckland winter. So he bought a blue healer. He called him nude. And we still run daily. Come on, Greg from Gundy. Okay, there you go. Socky boys on the line. Stephen O'Keefe has joined us as we focus on uh, both tonight and tomorrow night. Hello, Sock. Morning, Matty. How are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. I'm good. We've been watching the weather, um, like everyone, I reckon, in Australian cricket and over there as well. So it ain't looking good, mate. Uh, It's not looking good for Eden Gardens, both tomorrow and the reserve day as well. So if they can get 20 overs, and and weirdly enough, they could spread that over two days, mate. If they can get 20 overs, they can get a match in. So let's let's assume that they can at least get 20 overs in and, and we get a match out of this one. Does that influence the way that you're thinking about Marcus Stoinis or Manus Labuschagne? Yeah, without a doubt. I think that the shorter the game gets, the more that you'd be leading towards Stoinis, just given, you know, if it's going to be that T20 unpredictable nature, you, you've got that sort of all-round option with Stoinis with his uh, medium pace and also his power hitting, which will be vital, you know, if they do have to go from ball one, which... I mean, they might end up going that way anyway, uh, even if it is a longer match. It's a tough decision to make. Um, it's not like both players have really set the, the world on fire, but I, I would be thinking if it is condensed, 
I mean, I've had a look at the radar. It's, it wouldn't be summer without a bit of rain for cricket, would it? Even if it's in India. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it looks pretty ominous. Um, but I'm sure they've got all these calculations in their mind, the, the Aussie selectors, and um, how it turns out on the day. I mean, they'll be prepared for it, no doubt. Yeah, cricketers by nature have to deal with the fact that the weather gods are going to do what they're going to do. So you've got to be prepared mm. for anything. And, and like you say, you know, they would have had their best 11 worked out and they'd have a best 11 yeah. for scenario A and a best 11 for scenario B. Did you, have you ever played in a, in a one day that's lasted two days? Never. Um, <laughs> we've played in some interesting ones. Back in the day, we played in one that was a, a split innings at, at um, domestic level. It was you played 25 overs, the other team batted for 25, then you batted for 20 and 20, which was a bit different. We've had super subs. They've tried all sorts of things. But never, generally speaking, would you play over two days. This would be the rare occasion where you'd have it for a finals or a knockout match um, where you could sort of finish off a game. But it's, geez, you'd have to look back at the record books. I don't think there'd be, there'd only be a handful, if that, that have been played. So pretty rare situation because you'd imagine the wicket and conditions might change. Um, you know, you might be batting one day and then having to bowl the next day under covers as the wicket change. Um, so yeah, look, not the ideal situation to be. And obviously South Africa sit in the box seat, don't they? Because they've earned the right to finish second. And, um, you know, the rain in Kolkata just looks like it's hit right at the wrong time. Um, and it does look sort of showery for a good part of three to four days. So let's just keep our fingers crossed and hope that there's a little bit of a break. You reckon there's any way that they could even try? I, I looked at the radar too and looked at the forecast, right? So tomorrow afternoon, it's a two o'clock start in Kolkata um, and the, the, the radar has showers throughout the day and then getting worse at night. Is there any way in your mind you could see them trying to start, say if they went, okay, we could, we could fit 20 or 40 overs in if we started at 9 o'clock in the morning. Scheduling's a pain in the you-know-what because there's so many players in it, mm. as, in, as in so many invest, in, investment sides in it, you know, um, stakeholders is the word I'm looking for. But is there any way that you could see them trying to break the mould just to get a game done? Yeah, look, you know, Matty, the cricket is one of the least progressive sports when it comes to this. <laughs> um, you know, the, the sensible and pragmatic decision would be, right, yeah, look, rain's coming, let's start it earlier. We know this is going to be on its way. And, I mean, there's even situations um, domestically where you, you might be playing a, a shield game out of Bankstown Oval. You know it's going to be dark and affected by light. Let's just start the game earlier. But cricket is very, very rigid in its its rules and, and laws. And if it's a 2 o'clock start, um, it's just not going to move. That's from experience, but you would love, you would love to see them sort of butt heads together and say, right, let's get this, let's get this underway. Um, but the problem is, you'll have South Africa saying, well, no, we're not going to, we're not going to play in different conditions than we're used to. You know, we've played at two o'clock or later, or you know, for the most of the tournament, we don't know how the conditions are going to be that time of morning. Is it going to be smoggier? Is the wicket going to be a bit softer? So. Although the Aussies will be pushing for that, I'm sure that the South Africans are quite happy to kick their heels back and, and watch the drizzle come in. Hundred <laughs> percent. You could see, you could see, you know, somebody like Marnus, for instance, he bounces off walls anyway. He'd be going nuts. Paddy Cummins would be pushing, and then you'd look across to the South African dressing room, and they're lighting cigars with their feet up, going, "Bring it on!" Because we we go through to the final. <laughs> Actually, on that on that right, we've been talking this morning about different roles at different different footy clubs in particular and the chief inspiration officer, right? So, you know, in sporting organisations, it's like you've got all these 
you got CEOs and high performance managers and this and that and specialists left, right and centre. But what about the, the inspiration officer or the vibe or the energy officer? So can you think of somebody in teams that you've played who you'd look to and go, that guy is the, was, was always the chief, and I'm going to take you out of this situation, the chief inspiration <laughs> officer <laughs> or the chief party well, officer? <laughs> Oh, look, it wasn't it wasn't me, but you you, you do find the, the great thing about cricket, even through all the grades, mate, is you'd have you, it brings eleven different people from all different walks of life. Even playing grade cricket, you'll have CEOs, you'll have blokes who you know may not be working or just like surfing and playing a bit of cricket. Young kids versus you know old, old farts like myself at forty. So you get this great blend and mix, but you do generally have a social committee, which will be sort of one or two players. Um, and the best that we ever had was would have to have been Dougie Bollinger. Now, I don't know whether you'd use the term inspiration because he, he would bowl some <laughs> fantastic spells of bowling, but on a, on a tough rundown day where, you know, you're just getting smacked all over the park, you only have to look down the fine leg or third man and you'll get a, a laugh straight away out of someone like a Dougie Bollinger who would find ways to lift the spirits. Um, and even if you're in the sheds, he's just always, always at you or have something funny to do or setting up little laughs amongst the group. And I can tell you in four days, sometimes it gets a bit tired, but most of the time it's very much well needed. So you need those guys. Looking at the Aussie team, who would you reckon? It'd have to be, you know, you'd look at Marnus and Davies, probably your two guys, because you look at McDonald's, Cummins, Vittori, they're all very sort of, you know, insular sort of people, reserved. Um, You know, Marnus would be making his coffees. Looks like he can't sit down. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he would be the chief inspiration offer of that Aussie team. Well, mate, remember that day that we went out, they do that to, you know, they, that media day with all the cricketers out there and we go down and sit with them and you were doing a bunch of stuff and I, I did a, four players, I think, throughout the day. Um, Usman Khawaja, Michael Nessa, yep. um, Paddy Cummins and Marnus. And, and seriously, after yep. the 20 minutes with Marnus, I was stuffed just talking to him. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm just so amazed. And wasn't it amazing watching his last performance where he's in the field and he just created two runouts basically from nowhere? And you're like, I don't understand how this guy stays so connected for yeah. as long as he does. It's like, you know, when you have those team talks and you go and you go, right, oh boys, we've got, you know, we've got to be switched on 300 contests. Let's win them all. Like, I genuinely believe this guy goes out there and thinks he can win every 300 contests mm. on his own. Like, he's, whether he's batting, Building, like, it's, it's insane how much he is able to stay committed and focused. Like, his brain must be spinning. I'd hate to be at yeah. home with him. I know, I know what the answer is. Trying to switch off. Mate, I know what the answer is. You touched on it. It's caffeine. He lives on it. It's, <laughs> he's, he's wired on his coffee. Hey, we're going to go. Thanks, oh. mate. Great to catch up. Thanks for your thoughts this morning. Good on you, Matty. Take care, mate. Stephen O'Keefe joining us there. So tonight, don't forget, and tomorrow night, full coverage right here on SEN. So full broadcast at 7 o'clock Eastern Daylight Saving Time, and then they'll start 30 minutes later. So India v New Zealand tonight. Um, That one will be be weather-free. Essentially, it'll be good. They'll get great conditions. And then tomorrow night, let's just see how it pans out at Eden Gardens. We're back after this break. Uh, 0457 736 736. CIO, CEO, whatever you've got for us, bring it on. 
got a text here just on the golf saying, uh, Matty, can't wait to hear from Rory McElroy about the golf situation. The biggest hypocrite in world sports, says Tony. Left the European Tour for fame and fortune, signed with new sponsor for fortune, and then uh, finishes off by calling him a not-so-complimentary name. Uh, this is what I've just found from Rory, which is uh, speaking from Dubai. He has said after this board meeting yesterday where they've offered PGA Tour members um, direct equity in the new, what the new world of golf's going to look like. He said, I think if you're in the middle of it, you would see that there's a path forward. It's just that no one on the outside has any details right. Loose lips sink ships, so we're trying to keep it tight and within walls. I'm sure when there's news to tell, it will be told. Um, so I don't really know what that means. <laughs> it means that, that Rory said a whole lot of nothing. Uh, I will say this, that Rory, Rory stuck with his line the whole way through. I think when you when you read and listen to Rory in his entirety, I mean, that's a bit of mumbo-jumbo really, but throughout this whole thing, um, he hasn't wavered from, from his point just as much as Phil Mickelson on the other side hasn't wavered. And the part where they've got to is a little bit of a weird one, but once they joined hands with the public investment fund back in June, once that announcement came out, this was the only way golf was going to go. It was it was perish, you know, or prosper. And now we're going to have to have players who were firing bullets like crazy on the other side and officials who were firing bullets like mad on the other side say stuff that's going to make them look like idiots. What Rory's done there, and that's the first time that I've read it, Tony, um, what Rory's done there, in my opinion, is duck, try to duck and weave and not look like an idiot. It's really, really interesting. Very, very interesting the way that it's going to pan out. But, look, it's going to come together somehow. The question will be, who is the outside investment? Where does the outside investment come from? It will more than likely come from Saudi, but there are five companies that they believe have, have come down to it, and some of those are uh, public investment funds, Liberty Strategic Capital, a corn growth company, like I said, Fenway Sports, um, Friends of Golf, a consortium of influential Wall Street investors and other individuals who have a fondness for the game. Holy Toledo. So you're saying that a bunch of rich Wall Street golfers are going to invest their money into the game because they like the game of golf? Oh, man. I don't know how that one's going to play out, but it's going to be fun to watch from our side. Let's do the news. Uh, welcome back. Thank you for that, Vanessa. Now, the reptile <laughs> has used our platform to have a crack back at Greg from Gundy. Um what do we think, folks? Are we, are we prepared to sort of... Do you want me to play Oprah here? Jump in the middle. Let's see how far it goes. As long as it doesn't get silly, let's, let's see how it goes. So at any time, Greg or Reptile, you can call this off. But uh, Reptile says, my question is for Greg. Have you ever picked a winner before the race? You tip like a teenager talks about his love life. Extremely exaggerated. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. I've, I've returned serve. And uh, let's consider that one done. Greg, it's back to you. 2AM Tommy is with us this morning um, in a little bit of a different role. We, sh we should explain, Tommy. We sh should we explain to our listeners what's going on here? We're having a bit of a rebuild in our studios at North Sydney. So we're all over the place. Brenton's in the studio 
up in uh, Brizzy, up in Queensland, I should say, and on the Goldie, and he's looking after us. Brenton, thank you, mate. Um, it's good to have you on board. And Tommy, you're doing the old WFH work from home. Good morning, Maddie, Brenton, and listeners. Great to be working from home. Where do we find you? Which part of the palatial Tommy Palace are you in? Well, Maddie, the palatial palace is not very big to start off with. So I'm in the right. living room. I've kicked out my sister for the morning. She's gone into the office, and I've spread right. across all my screens here on the dining room table. Okay, right. Eh? What do you want to buy into this morning, mate? Well, I just want to quickly before I want quickly before we chat about footy. I just want to give my two cents on Greg v Reptile, and I just want to first off, I want to commend Greg for coming back, and you know, telling us he's all right, he's going okay. But I also want to commend Greg Maddie because in the we, we've been on air now for just over three years, and we haven't had a listener. Now we've got avid listeners, right? Like the reptile yeah. himself, but we haven't had a listener stick out repeatedly, stick out his or her neck, and share their racing tips week of, or day after day after day after day. Yeah, so I've got enough. to commit. I have I have to commend Greg from Gundy on that part because I think it shows that the other need, the other listeners need to maybe step up their game a bit. Even though he hasn't picked a winner yet, we've all been in that rut. So Greg from Gundy, I applaud you. So what you want, you want our listeners to just get a little bit more aggressive with tips. Um, you want them to really put their neck on the line. I, because I would 100%. say that, quite, like, perhaps not in tipping land as much as Greg from Gundy does, but I would say plenty of our listeners put their neck on the line. But, Tommy, basically, folks, this is a call to arms. See what happens? You, you take him out of the work environment. You, you put him back at home where he's nice and comfortable. He's, are you wearing your Ugg boots? Have you got your Uggies on no, this morning? What's, no, okay. I've got my thongs on, though. Yeah, okay, so he's, he's got his Archie's thongs on, um, and now he's just come out swinging. Uh, by the way, Rooster Man reckon you, you sound like you're underwater in a goldfish bowl. Uh, um, Western Sydney Eagle reckons you're calling from the Brasco. Are you calling from the Donny oh. Brasco, or are you... Oh, look, apologies, I'm not. I can't tell how bad or good my uh, audio quality is on my end, so apologies yeah. for that, and I'll, I'll get that fixed up for next hour. Yes. Yeah, don't worry. What we'll do is we'll take the earpods out. Earpods, okay. earpods. I always Should I do that now? Do that now. Jump back on your phone. You watch this, folks. I'll just play the uh, intervening music. Do, 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 do. You watch this. Tommy will come back once he gets his uh, phone to his ear. Now he's got to put the little headphones back in their case. Otherwise, it'll continually go back to Bluetooth. Bluetooth. See, this is what happens. We've got the See, full setup. Oh, now I can hear you on speaker. No, no, no. Get it off speaker, mate. Get it off speaker. Jeez. Hey? Now. There we go. <laughs> oh, jeez. That did not work. i I tell you what we're going to do. We, we're going to... Why don't you hang up, right? And we're, we're going to get back to that one because I do want your two cents on a few of the issues this morning. Let's get that sorted before we go through that process again because that was fun. Um, if you wanted a headache. Uh, get 2am, Tommy, some soundproofing. Sounds, sounds like you're in the dining room. Um, or no, actually, Paramat's questioning whether you're in the dining room. You know what you could do? And I, I've done this, mate. Like, I've actually done this before we had the world of really good and easy apps to use. I once did a voiceover for a Channel 7 6 o'clock news broadcast where I hid... Where I, I didn't hide, but I had to go under a desk in my hotel room in London... And I got a doona over my head 
to try and get some soundproofing going. And it was, it was like being a contortionist. So we'll get you some soundproofing. We'll get a, <laughs> a better system in play. Oh, man. Um, Blue Emu earlier this morning has said when we look at a CIO, Chief Inspiration Officer, Mick Fanning um, out at Penrith, who's always there anyway, just his presence. But, yeah, he just walks in and says, I punched a bloody shark once. That's not bad. Um, that's a good way of doing it. Sorting out your technical issues while on air um, is not making Simon happy. Well, I've got to give it a crack somehow, mate, don't we? He just got to give it a crack sometimes. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. We need to take a break. Tilly Carmichael from the Sydney Sixers will be coming up to join us. They play the Perth Scorchers, her old team, tomorrow afternoon at North Sydney Oval. We've got two matches today in the WBBL. Brizzy Heat versus Hobart Hurricanes and Adelaide playing the Sydney Thunder. So first match starting at midday, uh, the second one between Adelaide and the Thunder starting at 3.30 this afternoon. And that Sixers Scorchers game is tomorrow afternoon as well. So we'll do that on the other side of the break. Stick around. Welcome back. As I mentioned, two games in WBBL today uh, with Brisbane Heat and Hobart Hurricanes. First up, then the Strikers against the Thunder tomorrow. The Sydney Sixers back in action against the Perth Scorchers. Off the back of a, a thrilling win against Hobart, as I told you on Monday uh, evening, where Tilly Carmichael was the star of the show. 32 not out off 21. Kate Peterson hit the winning run, and it came down to the final ball, and Tilly's on the line. Good morning, uh, Tilly. Thanks for your time. Congratulations. How was how were the nerves at the back end of that match against the Hurricanes? Yeah, look, it was a little stressful. <laughs> but, uh, you know... Uh, Kate Peterson, obviously, you know, she's mainly in the team as a bowler, but she was uh, pretty calm and clear out there as well. So I think the nerves almost weren't there because we were so focused on the job at hand, but certainly some relief and enjoyment afterwards. What was going on in terms of conversations out there? Because sometimes when you're in that scenario, and, and you guys just w went ballistic at the last, was it the last three overs I think you needed... I think you needed 30 off the last three overs. Is that about right? Yep, that's correct. I think yep. uh, in the fourth last over, I think we only got three or four off it. Um, so, yeah, left it 30 off three overs. Um, you know, nice whole numbers, 10 and over for three overs. And, yeah. and we knew we had the power surge, which I think we've seen has gone either way. Uh, it certainly can bring a few wickets for the bowling side or... It can bring a few runs and um, obviously Shevna Mismail, fantastic bowler, uh, was, was coming on to bowl, but also in the same breath that also gave us a bit of pace on the ball. So um, we managed to get 15 off that over and uh, then sort of knowing 15 off the last two overs was very manageable. Um, it was probably just playing smart cricket shots and you're never batting just to not get out. <laughs> you're obviously having to score runs, but uh, yeah, I think that the main priority was low risk, um, good cricket shots and, and run well between the wickets and we managed to pick up another boundary or two in those last couple of overs. So got the job done uh, with zero balls to spare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right at the last minute. So when you're crossing over, when you're at the end of each over there and you're counting down and you're going through you know, the processes, who's saying what to who? Are you more vocal in that scenario? I mean, you've been out there sort of leading the charge, so... And what are you saying? Or what's Kate saying? Yeah, so responsibility was certainly on me um, as the 
as the, the batter and the set batter. Um, yeah. I, I haven't batted with, with uh, Kate Heaps as my first season with the Sixers, um, having come across from the Perth Scorchers. So uh, there's a little bit of, um, you know, what are her strengths, what are her options? And I actually said to her uh, when Ismail was coming on, you know, bowling 120 Ks, I said, oh, do you ramp or paddle at all? And she just looked at me like I was speaking <laughs> another language and she's like, absolutely not. <laughs> um, so... That was really good of her to know what her her options and strengths are um, and not get carried away and going, oh, well, she said do something, so I'll try and do that. So um, that uh, gave her a bit of a laugh in between her telling me that this was her worst nightmare and if we're needing one off one, we still have like two or three overs to go. She's like, if we need one off one and I'm on strike, that's just my worst nightmare. So... um, uh, we were having a bit of a laugh out there as well as making sure that um, we were sort of on task and thinking through through the options and what was most valuable at that point in time. But, yeah, under it all, there was certainly uh, a little bit of, you know, acknowledging the situation um, and sort of a, a good ball here or there um, can build a bit of pressure, a couple of dot balls. But, um, yeah, she was calm and clear and between the two of us uh, you know she's athletic and runs well between the wickets as well so we were able to put a little bit of pressure on the fielders and, and get back for a two or a quick single here or there Geez, it would have been a crack up wouldn't it I, I would have loved to have seen your face if you asked that question and Kate goes no nah, I don't got no ramp or paddle no but I'll give it a crack how about I give it a crack and then you go oh why did I even float that idea <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah, she um, she was still going, oh, I don't want to face this now. She bowls quick. So I'm like, yeah, she does. But uh, first ball, she just tapped her behind point for four. I was like, well, easy, <laughs> easy as. Not a hard game at all. <laughs> Yours is an interesting story. As you mentioned, first season at the Sixers, um, you grew up, you represented New South Wales in underage cricket and hockey, of course, part of the Hockey Roos squad. But cricket's always been there and you ended up in the West. So Perth has, has been your home for the last few years there and now you're back and ironically enough that's who you play tomorrow afternoon. So what skill set do you bring back from your time at the Perth Scorchers and, and, and how different has it been to come back to the Sydney Sixers or into the Sixers organisation? Yeah, I think um, yeah, but taking on the Scorchers tomorrow, obviously I know um, a lot of the girls or all of the girls very well, so both from a cricket sense and personally. So um, in terms of, you know, you sort of know which batter a couple of dot balls here or there will find themselves under pressure and if they're going to go to something big or, um, you know, there's also just so Divine and Beth Mooney who I can't really add anything um Elise Perry and Ash Gardner leading the side, they've got more knowledge on those two than me because they're just so bloody brilliant. But um, the, in terms of the organisations, I think ultimately um, it's, it's still cricket, it's still a game, but there's just sort of um, different focuses which Charlotte Edwards as our coach for the Sixers brings that are slightly different to the Scorchers. Um, there's no right way or wrong way of doing anything. It's sort of what players you've got in your group and which um, what sort of your strengths and, and focus areas are for the for the team and um, what non-negotiables there are, um, I suppose, when you're out there competing. So it's it's just very different um, in terms of the personnel in your team. And then I suppose I have um, you sort of being from Perth with all the with the you know I sound like a real Perth person all the travels, um, you know four or five hour flights, but. Um, 
not knowing any difference, so to speak, in this sort of tournament style, you know, down to Hobart for a game, back to Sydney for a game, up to Brisbane for a game. I must say being on the East Coast makes the majority of the flights sort of hour, hour and a half, a lot more uh, bearable than the, the longer flights from Perth. So that's been a nice little bonus, which, um, yeah, you just crack on with it when you're in Perth. But um, when you get to experience the other side of it, it, it is quite nice. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're five and five now. Um, so, you know, bang on there in the middle of the table, fifth after those 10 games. And if, it'll be a beautiful afternoon, hopefully tomorrow at North Sydney Oval. So well done on the other night. Congratulations. Thanks for talking us through all that. And best of luck against Perth tomorrow, Arvo. Thanks a lot. Tilly Carmichael joining us there from the Sydney Sixers. Uh, what a great story. And we played you the finish of that. We've spoken to Charlotte Edwards um, the coach out there at the Sixers and the mindset for them, and um, what a what a, a an interesting season it's been. But they've levelled it out now at five and five. It's coming down to crunch time. Perth Scorchers lead the table, seven wins and the three losses. Sydney Thunder is second with six and two record after their nine games so far. Uh, then you've got the Adelaide Strikers in third, Brisbane Heat fourth, and then you find the Sydney Sixers. In fifth in the eight-team competition that is the WBBL, 0457-736-736 is the text line. Uh, now, did we get a response here? Yes, we got a response here. Morning, Matt. Greg from Gundagai. Reptile, you are a clown with no makeup. And that other caller with his dog that wants to see me nude up, I think you need to see someone about that. <laughs> and there is the return of serve. Uh, play on, Greg and Reptile, says Dan. Reptile's a Dragons fan, so could easily be a target for Greg. Is an easy target. Uh, is Tommy in SEN lockup? Sounds like he's being held hostage with Ben Hunt. Oh, dear. I don't gamble, Maddie, but curiosity's got the better of me. We know our Aussies will be literally washed up if that forecast of rain rings true. Just wondering what price the Aussies are at the moment to win the tournament. I'll have to check it out, and we'll have to do that and gamble responsibly and remember what we're really gambling with, but I'll check that out for you. Uh, why don't I do that in the break, mate? I'll come back and see what the numbers are at the moment because they will certainly be playing into their calculations, the world of weather over there. Uh, we'll do that in just a sec. Hang on, I'll do that right now. Let's just do that right now. So in terms of futures, Australia $4.30 to win the ICC Cricket World Cup outright. South Africa $5, uh, $1.85 for India and New Zealand 8 bucks. What are you really gambling with? 1-800-858-858 is that number. We need to take a break and you can be part of this program on 1300-01-1170. Let me get to some of your texts. Jay Lenton will be joining me. By the way, that match uh, that I'm talking about, we'll talk to Jay about the Archie Gray celebrity match tonight. You can watch it live on KO from 5.30pm. And, of course, you can uh, donate today any time or throughout the course of the evening as you're watching for uh, through the Mark Hughes Foundation. And Mark will be taking part in the celebration. So some of the names, um, depending on who can end up making it tonight, but some of the names on the Western Suburbs side of thing, uh, Ned Brockman will be out there, Dan Christian, as I mentioned, Reid Marnie's name, Pat Richards... Um, Josh Clark, amongst others, Henry, uh, Harry, rather, Menenti. From the manly side of things, as I mentioned, Binger, Brett Lee, Michael Hooper, Billy Peden, maybe Danny Baderis, Jack Edwards, Ollie Davies and Beaver, Steve Menzies as well. Here's a cool story about Archie, who loved his cricket so much, a young leg spinner, 
and just spent hours and hours throughout the COVID pandemic trying to get it all right. He was a a, um, a student at St. Patrick's College at Strathfield, but apparently throughout COVID, um, he'd just put the video on, pretend that he was at school. Then he'd go down to the nets, take a bunch of balls and bowl for hours, work out when he had to be back to register when he was in class. He'd just say, yeah, I'm here, and then go back and bowl for himself for hours and hours and hours, which is just a ripping yarn, isn't it? And the passion, um, I, I didn't know Archie, but throughout the Manly Cricket Club, guys, the passion through his family in particular and that he had for the game um, was right up there. Both of his brothers, Finn and Charlie, will be there today as well and the whole family will be there. Who gets to face Brett Lee? That's probably one of the questions. Uh, and would you? Uh, I'm sure that Binger will play it properly and nicely. Now, Adrian Presenko... Um, has written an article called No Pads, No Helmets. First look at how NRL will be sold to the American, uh, the Americans. No pads, no helmets, no fear. This is the first time that I'm seeing this. So that, that, that's the tagline for the NRL ad that's going to be used to promote the game in the US. And the first look at how they're going to sell it, the 30-second uh, rather package of big hits and spectacular tries. Footage begins in slow motion when Moses Leota carries the ball forward only to have his momentum halted in a spectacular collision with the Manly defence, and that sets the tone for the clip. So there's a whole stack of stars that are involved. Vossi's commentary where he says that is from another universe, including some spectacular put-downs from Dom Young and Dallin Watini's Zalesniak. Nathan Cleary, Latrell Mitchell, Nico Hines, Cody Walker, all part of it. So the ad's now being shown on America's Fox network, and it ends with the words, this is Rugby League. And Adrian reports the NRL's already sold 15,000 tickets to the game, hoping to get a, a, a sold-out or packing out the 65,000-seat stadium. So what do you think of that? No pads, no helmets, no fear. I like it. I like the sound of it because we've we've discussed this, haven't we, since this first uh, Vegas thing was floated and became a reality how do we sell it to the Americans? Or well, we can take over all of our players, but they're not going to know. They won't know the difference between a superstar of the game. They, they just won't. The Aussies that are over there will and those that might have a passing interest in rugby league, but they're trying to catch everyone outside. And I like that because that's exactly the point of difference. We don't have any pads. We don't wear helmets. And there is no fear. So they've gone in hard on what the game is truly all about in an us versus them scenario. Let me know your thoughts on that. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number or oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. So back to you, Bob, on the text line who was uh, out working when we had the interaction with Greg from Gundagai this morning, so missed the whole scenario. Should I assume, he says, Greg has welched on his promise to allow his... Uh, <laughs> nude run, I'll paraphrase for you. Look, Greg got in contact with us, Bob, and said, been missing in action the last couple of days, been breaking in some horses and had a couple of falls and is a bit sore and sorry. And from then on, it's just been back and forth uh, between him and the reptile. The Penny Panther says, I noticed Greg's message says nothing of his self-imposed consequences. He's going to dog it. Well, maybe, maybe. Would we be worried? <laughs> No. Would the good folk of Gundagai be happy? 
probably, probably they'd be okay if Greg didn't go through with his bet. Chief Inspiration Officer, um, Crime C says, Matty, he may already hold this role, but at my club, the Cowboys, the Chief Inspiration Officer for his personality and on-field deeds is one Jonathan Thurston. <laughs> yes. Um, plenty of thoughts around that as well, which some of those I just can't read. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. Daniel says, Matty, if the West Tigers are unhappy about the lack of Sunday afternoon footy at Leichhardt next year, they need to look in the mirror. Back-to-back wooden spoons, broadcasters who pay hundreds of millions are well within their right to schedule better performing franchises, uh, franchises in that coveted time slot. Want more Sunday Arvo free-to-air games? It's simple. Win more games and be rewarded by the broadcaster. Tigers do have two 4pm games at Campbelltown, however, in round 6 and 16. Supporters can vote with their feet at those fixtures. It was Benny Elias who was tapping into the romance, essentially, of Leichhardt on a Sunday Arvo. And I agreed with him, and then we got a text message from Kane who said, hey, you know, I took my wife out there and it was just a, wasn't a great experience and it took me, I think, a good couple of years to sort of get it back. So there's the romance side, but you're right. Supporters will vote with their feet, and if it's not a good experience, then they won't go back. Righto, let's talk more about the Archie Gray uh, celebrity cricket match, which is this afternoon at Pratton Park. Out at Ashfield, starting at 5.30, you can watch it live on KO or get out there because there's a whole stack of players. Uh, it'll be a whole stack of fun, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it rolls out. It's for a wonderful cause. It's between the Western Suburbs Cricket Club, who Archie played for, and the Manly Ringer Cricket Club, who Archie played his last game against. Jay Lenton is Manly's first-grade skipper, and he joins me on the line. Morning, Jay. Morning, Matty. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Look, it's a big day, isn't it? I, I've told my listeners all about what's been going on here because you've been in touch with me about this and, and given me the story of, of what happened with Archie and that, that last match, of course, and that's where the connection between these two clubs comes, comes into. So on one side, there's a celebration of a young bloke's life who just loved cricket, absolutely had a passion for it. On the other side, too, there's the fundraising for the Mark Hughes Foundation, and there's also going to be a lot of emotion out there, mate. So how are you feeling ahead of this afternoon? Yeah, Matty, firstly, thank you. Um, as you know, I'm an avid listener of your show and not just yours, everyone on SEN, and I've heard the plugs for it. So firstly, thank you very much for, for what you've done in particular on the show in, in spreading awareness for this game. But you're right, this afternoon's going to be full of emotion. Uh, lots of emotion, to be honest. There's going to be the tribute, the happiness, the, the fittingness, that we're playing a game of cricket to, to celebrate Archie's life. And and I, I think some emotion will come out from those that were uh, particularly close to him, particularly his family. I can't stress enough how good the Gray family have been uh, in this process, working closely with Andrew uh, in putting this together. Uh, I mentioned it the other day in a little article we, we did as a father myself, just seeing how strong he's been and, and how passionate he's been about uh, this tribute to Archie. It, it's, it's been quite quite emotional seeing uh, how strong he is, to be honest. So very looking to, uh, looking forward very much to being a part of part of tonight. Um, as you've mentioned several times, the connection with, with Manly uh, and Archie became apparent towards the back end of his life. Uh, his last game of cricket was against us uh, in second grade out at Pratton Park. Uh, and his last four weeks of life were at Bear Cottage in Manly. So 
it was just a conversation between between David Gainsford, our head of cricket at Manly, and uh, Mike Swan, the president of West. And Andrew just so happened to be there with the conversation, which started as a little idea to get this game underway. And now we're here. We're playing tonight at 5.30 Pratt and Park. Yeah, and it's it's a year plus one week, essentially, to when Archie passed away. He passed away on November 8, 2022. He was 17 years of age. He had the whole world in front of him. He absolutely loved his cricket, and it runs through the family as well. So in terms of fundraising, Jay, I, I know the original aim was to go towards $50,000 for the Mark Hughes Foundation. Now, a lot of our listeners obviously know so much about the Mark Hughes Foundation um, and the work that they've been doing is in, absolutely incredible. So where are you at? Where, where's everything at in terms of the, the, the number that you've been trying to get to and Andrew Gray has been trying to get to for the charity? Yeah, the, the initial amount was 50000 Uh As we sit and speak right now, I believe it's just past $65,000 uh, before the game's actually even kicked off. Uh, so we've set a, a new target, a new goal, and we're going to see if we can get to $75,000, which it's an incredible achievement. As you mentioned, the Mark Hughes Foundation uh, is is a wonderful, wonderful charity. I've been lucky enough to, to do a couple of the walks uh, from Sydney to Newcastle for the Beanies for Brain Cancer Round. So I've got a little bit of a tie-in uh, with the Mark Hughes Foundation. And the amount of work that they do behind the scenes... Uh, in what is a horrible, horrible cancer, in uh, brain cancer. Since I think it's the 1980s, uh, the increase in survival rates only gone up 1%. Um, so there's just so much that can be done in regards to research. And that's what we're trying to um, do with the fundraising here is it's as much money as possible to help go into brain cancer research. I think it's about $80,000, $85,000 to employ one nurse, a brain cancer nurse. Uh, so if we can get $75,000, and as who knows, something a little bit more than that, uh, that can go a long way to, to employing a nurse uh, for this horrible disease. Yeah, well said on that front too. As you mentioned, you're a father, so you understand what's what's going on here, but you're a passionate cricketer as well. And I just relayed the story about Archie through COVID as a student out there at St Patrick's College Strathfield who'd set up the computer and go, yeah, I'm here, and then disappear and start to, you know, spend hours down the nets as well trying to perfect the wrong the wrong, and, and, and working on his craft. So the cricketing side of you as well, when you look at young cricketers and they have this passion and then they're all going to come together, there'll be young blokes, there'll be old blokes, there'll be ex-players there all united by cricket as well. I think there'll, there'll be that emotional attachment through the sport tonight as well, mate. Absolutely, and, and reading that story about Archie uh, just this morning, actually, I kind of I did giggle about him meant to be on a Zoom meeting. It made me think that COVID was a thing once, and that's uh, how Archie spent it, which is uh, quite humorous, to be honest. But, yeah, there's there's going to be so many different people that were touched by Archie or may not have ever met Archie. They're simply there just for the love of the game of cricket, as you said, and Everyone that we've reached out to uh, in the process to be involved with this celebrity cricket match, whether it be a cricketer in, in Brett Lee or Dan Christian and Nathan Lyon's going to be down there as well tonight, or even if it is a footy player and your your happy Coruscant, your Reid Marnies. I know Pat Richards is going to be there fresh off scoring a fifth grade hundred for Campbelltown, so he's one I'm a little bit worried about tonight. But um, every, everyone's there just to support Archie and support the Gray family, so... Plenty of emotion there tonight, but for such a great cause. If anyone is around, hopefully this weather stays off. But regardless of whether it does, we're going to have a great night. 
even if it's buying a beer on the hill or buying something from the food trucks tonight, everything's going towards the Mark Hughes Foundation. So, yeah, if you can get down there, cricket will be the winner. Uh, but I think Archie will be the winner out of tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Now, just a final one. So you mentioned all those names and they'll continue to, to bubble on up as those who can make it throughout the course of the afternoon and the evening. But B. Lee is going to be there. So I know that Archie's brothers, Finn and Charlie, are both, uh, both excited slash nervous because Brett Lee's <laughs> going to be bowling. So listen, do you go up and have, do you go up and, ha- and I'm assuming that you're going to captain the Manly team, but do you go up and do you say to, do you just say to being a, Mate, cut loose at these kids because they want to face. You know, they want to be able to say that they face Brett Lee at full steam. Or do you go cut them a bit of slack, mate? I mean, can you put can you put a rope around Brett Lee in any way? Well, I was fortunate enough to play in a golf day uh, with Brett yesterday, and I yeah. did ask him if uh, he'd like me up the stumps. Uh, that didn't go down too well. So <laughs> I, I, I think I think Bing is Bing is uh, in for a. In for as fast as you can possibly bowl. Uh, someone that is bowling as fast as Brett did. I'm, I'm sure Finn and Charlie. We've got Finn on our team, so poor Charlie. You know, he's going to be playing for West. But I, I, I reckon that the juices are flowing for Binger. Uh, I've seen him in the last couple of days, and I did ask him what Andy wanted last night. So there's every chance he might take the new ball and he might come off right. the long run. Oh yeah, fantastic! Can you give Charlie? Mate, you get lots of free stuff, right? So can you give him every thigh pad, every pad you can find just so he's feeling comfortable out there? Good man. Hey, great to catch up this morning. Have a have a good afternoon and evening tonight. Um, it is a celebration. It, there will be sadness out there, no doubt about it, and plenty of emotion. But um, the bottom line is that you're, you're representing your club and Western Suburbs have been fantastic, obviously, throughout all of this, p- piecing it together. Um, it's the Archie Gray Celebrity Cricket Match. It'll start at 5.30 out of practice. Park at Ashfield. If you can get out there, please do so. If you can't, you can watch it on KO. And either way, jump on the Mark Hughes Foundation and you can raise funds throughout that as well. Jay, thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, Matty. Thanks for everything you've done uh, towards tonight, mate. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, mate. Jay Lenton joining us there. 0457 736 736. I'll update you on how that went tomorrow as well. Um, but great to know that the $50,000 mark has already been passed. Let's just keep on pushing it. You've heard the story there. Um, it's something that's obviously a little bit close to my heart of being part of the Manly Cricket Club, um, but they're doing a wonderful job and we wish the Western Suburbs Cricket Club all the very best this afternoon and this evening and Archie's family who put so much into this and all of those that are taking part. It is approaching 20 minutes after 11. We're back after this break. 25 past 11 on this Wednesday morning. So tonight, ODI World Cup semi-finals, India v New Zealand. Tomorrow night, Australia versus South Africa, weather pending. Let's see if we can get through those semis. Well, tonight there shouldn't be an issue. And then tonight, tomorrow night there might be. But let's uh, cross our fingers. Much rather get a good result out of that one. Now, oh, I don't know if I want to read this update, but we, I think we're going to have to keep our, keep our fans... Greg from Gundy and his fans, we've got to keep you updated. So we've heard back from Greg. I'll be back in Gundagai on Friday and Saturday this week for the running of the Snake Gully Cup. My master Todd has a few runners over the two days. I'll be bringing from Canberra on Friday morning. I'll be in the family hotel about an hour after the last on Friday and Saturday, so come and say hi. I'll be kitted out in my smart thoroughbreds gear. Planning for the nude run will be done in the pub, but I won't leave town until it's done. Okay, there you go. 
I mean, the, the listener base in Gundagai is... I, I can just imagine the whole of Gundagai will be tuning in. And, Greg, if you are going to do said run, this might have to be a full broadcast, full coverage. Um, Tommy will give him the job of going down and seeing if he can cover that for us. I think we worked out, what was it, 400 and something Ks? Figured that you could make an ultra marathon or out of yourself and run on down there. Tony says, Matty, you say you sounded funny because you were doing a voiceover under a doona from London. Is that cover, pardon the pun, meaning that you're really six pints to the wind? <laughs> no, it, it was a punish. That's what it was. And now, thanks to the wonder of technology, you don't have to do any of that. Uh, Matty, I'm a Rabbitohs fan. Oh, that one's from the Reptile. Yeah, that's another back and forth. Tilly Carmichael says, Brett is a great talent. Get her on to report on WBBL all the time. What a bright spark. So honest and interesting. No cliches at all. Took us right into the middle of that amazing run chase. I wholeheartedly agree with you, Brett. Um, It was great to get the good insight in there too. I I love to know what's going on. And I love the fact that she got down the other end and said to Kate, so can you ramp or paddle? And she's like, oh, no. No, 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 no. I'll just be. I'll just like to get out of the way. Um, but yeah, absolute champ, and looking forward to speaking to her again. And I really enjoyed our chat with Kayla George yesterday from the Sydney Flames as well. Had a lot of great feedback um, from chatting with Kayla a- again. Just a absolute great talent, Maddie. The assumption that broadcasters don't want Tigers playing in the coveted time slot on Sunday afternoon simply wrong. You will find, says Eddie, that the Tigers are one of the highest rating teams on TV and in print year after year whether they're winning or not. Okay, thank you for that, Eddie. Um, Matty, seriously, a ball hasn't been bowled yet and your previous caller, one of the early callers, James, who's regular and co, coming out whining already. I bet if the Aussies had a better run rate than South Africa, they wouldn't have a problem. Anyway, if it's anything like our weather forecasts, it'll probably be sunny, says the Eagle Vale rabbit. The forecast is not good. Like, it's just not good, no matter which way you look at it. And the problem for me is the word rain. Once you see that, you know that there's drama. But it it did pose, as I was looking through that this morning, the kind of what what did get lost in Australia's good run at the back end of this tournament. Not at the back end, because we had that slow start with the two matches that we dropped. And weirdly enough, because of the weather, that might come back to bite us. Let's hope it doesn't. Um. But that net run rate finishes 0.841. So job number one is to make the final four. Job number two, get as high as you can. Job number three is have the best net run rate that you can. So that may come back to bite us in this scenario, which would be a real pity, like a real, real bummer, because I've loved the progression of Australia throughout this tournament. And they've been there and done it before, and I love the fact that, Things are starting to, uh, I was about to say go right, but things have started to gather steam, probably is the best way to put it, with the with the ins and outs, the injuries, the dramas. You know, that's all part of tournament cricket, and I reckon that's where Australia excel. And that's been one of the cool things for me to watch that momentum build. And then if it gets taken away because of weather, I mean, that's cricket. 
but that'd be a real bummer. So let's, fingers crossed, they've got two days. They've got Thursday night and then the reserve day on Friday. If they can't somehow manufacture 20 overs per side across those two days, then it was never meant to be. And you just kind of got to go with it, don't you? Um, but let's hope that they at least get a crack at it. Keep them coming. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. NBA check for you. We've got two games, three games rather, currently underway and one just about to start. So the Hawks lead the Pistons 31-21. Um, Hornets v Heat 27-21 in the match still underway. And Pacers 25-22 with the Thunder and Spurs about to get underway. And Nets v Magic and Pelicans will play the Mavericks starting in 30 minutes' time. Let's go to the news right here on SEN. Oh, we're back. We are back on. Thank you for that, Vanessa. Sorry for that little delay there. Uh, Let's talk hockey. The JDH Hockey One League heads towards the finals this weekend. Uh, After this weekend, final round. Tickets at hockeyone.com.au. You can catch every match live and free on 7 Plus. The New South Wales Pride have the Adelaide Fire on Saturday, Sydney Olympic Park from 6.30. And the Pride men's team currently sitting first on the ladder. On the line is Pride goalkeeper Ash Thomas. G'day, Ash. Oh, I've lost you there, mate. Got a few Hello? dramas. Yeah, I got you. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, I can hear. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Sorry for that. We had a few little dramas there out of the back of the news. Good to talk to you. Hey, you guys are on the verge of a undefeated season. So you've got the Adelaide Fire on Saturday. It's been a ripping hockey one league for your season so far. What's the what's the mindset going into this one? Yeah, look, uh, I think, um, you know, it's going to be another tough game. I think we always love playing at home and uh, we obviously want to be going into the finals with another win. So that's that's sort of priority one. But I guess there's lots of things to keep working on and keep building as we grow into the, the finals round uh, next weekend. So, yeah, it'll just be you know a bit of a bit of a time to work around, a bit of a time to make sure that we've got everything firing on all cylinders, I suppose. Are you the kind of player that's... That, that stays away from talking about a streak like this? Or do you have players in the locker room that go, don't mention it, don't talk about undefeated and all that kind of stuff, or are you guys just going process-driven? I think it's in the camp it's very process-driven. Um, I suppose, you know, people will talk and say what they will say. Um, yeah, for me personally, like I just want to be worried about the next minute that I'm on the field. Um, even that, like not even really going into a game thinking about a result, but thinking about how I can play the best that I can and do the job that I need to do for the team. And I think generally speaking within our camp, that's, that's what most people people would say. But, uh, I'll, you know, we love winning. We hate losing. So. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get there. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A couple of man-of-the-match performances for you um, this season. You've made your debut for the Kookaburras as well, so it's going well in your game. Can you give my listeners, Ash, an insight into the world of a goalkeeper in hockey and, and what kind of work you put in through training, what your focus is and, and, and what the key pressure points are for you to look at throughout a week and a match? Yeah, uh, look, I think... For, for a week, you know, we would uh, we have our, our gym sessions. Um, so we were doing two to three of those a week, as well as our like pitch sessions. We'd usually have kind of one to all group sessions with the full like training squad. Um, and really, in those sessions, we're focusing on our you know team based tactics and team based plan for the week ahead. 
Um, I'll typically do some video review of our opposition, um, which I actually did last night for Adelaide this week, to sort of look at what we might face, particularly around the set plays, around the penalty corners and other things like that. Uh, and then I have my own individual session with my goalkeeping coach that we do on Thursday afternoon, which where we sort of really focus on a specific thing or two that we think we might come up against. Uh, if there's anything in particular that I want to really, really hone in on, um, or otherwise it's just sort of a general sharpener, um, trying to keep the reflexes in good order and trying to just keep saving the ball. Yeah, exactly. Hockey, mate, is is always, and we do a lot of hockey chat on this program in particular, but hockey is often referred to as a cradle-to-the-grave kind of sport. You you get into it early and you'll stay with it all the way through because you can continue to play all the way through. So I'm interested to know where your path to hockey came through. Yeah, well, um, given what you've just said, you'll be unsurprised to hear that uh, it was my dad uh, and also mum uh, who played. Uh, dad played in Canberra, actually, as a young adult and in Sydney when he was growing up. Uh, and then as I was a kid with my younger brother, uh, Cody, we uh, we got into it nice and young, around the probably about nine or ten years old and, and just sort of never really looked back. Um, yeah, we played a lot. And, and Dad has actually continued to play in the Masters comp, I think they call themselves now, yeah, uh, to, yeah. even, even to now. And, and, you know, I've seen and watched him play and, and at the same time watch guys in, they have in like over 80s division um, and it's just amazing watching these guys with gigantic smiles on their faces, just loving <laughs> playing still. Um, if I'm still running around like that at that age, I'll be very happy. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, chances are, mate, if you're still running around in sport, you'll be running around in hockey. Like I say, you just, you know, it's there and it's in your blood and you'll continue to do it, which is, which is really cool. Just a quick one before I let you go. We like to find out what away from the sporting world. Now, I know that you studied robotics, but you're also working in cyber security. Is that right? So how do you juggle them? What's your work like, work sport uh, balance like? Yeah, look, I, I think I am in cybersecurity and I think it comes down to you know having a, an understanding workplace and understanding team of people that you work with is very, very helpful. You know, I mean, the guys that I work for have great flexibility and they allow me to sort of pursue both interests um, and it, it works out really well. Probably also um, lucky to be able to work remotely a lot, which definitely helps because you can work from home, you can work from training, you can travel when you need to to be able to be able to show up to sessions and do all that sort of stuff along the side. So I think that that kind of balance is, is definitely really key, especially for us playing a sport where, um, you know, working alongside playing is a reality. You know, a lot of even the players in the national group, a lot of them work or study alongside playing for their whole career. Yeah, I'm sure I'm not the first to say it, but goalkeeper in in hockey and gatekeeper in in the profession is that right with cyber security have i linked the two together nicely for you maybe something like that i don't know <laughs> I, I think my job's about trying to break things um and my <laughs> goalkeeping job's about trying to keep things not being broken maybe it's yeah, exactly like it's the same coin. Uh, good stuff hey good to chat with you mate and um, good to get some insights as well congratulations on the season so far and best of luck against the adelaide fire and then into the finals after that down in canberra yeah absolutely ash thomas joining us there from the new south wales pride so the jdh hockey one league as i mentioned tickets at hockeyone.com.au every match is live and free on seven plus and then on the 25th and 26th of november the eight best men's and women's teams will head to the nation's capital. There'll be two days of hockey. 
So this is your last chance, actually, to witness Hockey Roos and Kookaburras compete before they jet off to the 2024 Paris Olympics next year and get behind your team as well. So JDH Hockey League, Hockey One League, and you can get tickets at hockeyone.com.au. Thank you, Ash. Appreciate your time this morning. 0457 736 736 is the number. It's 19 minutes to midday. Don't forget, Flight Centre's big red sale is on with limited time offers on flights, cruises, holidays and tours. You can book now to say big. That's Flight Centre's big red sale. Uh, let's have a listen to Andrew McDonald, who's spoken with Jared Waitley on SEN down in Melbourne this morning about the selection debate. So we've been having... I've asked every single expert I can find, Marcus or Manus. Uh, Jared this morning put it to the coach of the Australian team. Yeah, two two totally different positions. If, if you want to narrow it into to Marnus and Marcus, different structure of team. And, and as I said, it's it's not a straight you know number five batter competing with each other. They're two totally different different roles. And yeah, we we haven't got that far in the discussion. Um, I'm sure everyone else has had that discussion. We're yet to see. Uh, the surface, um, and we're yet to see the conditions. So, um, as always, we'll step through our process, as boring as that sounds. But as I yeah. said, we've got you know very good options, and we're we're really really enthused by the way that top three's gone about it. I suppose when you start a tournament and there's some moving parts, and you don't quite get uh, your top three with Travis Head missing, and then obviously Mitch Marsh going home um, on family matters, um, we haven't really seen it unfold the way we would have liked, but we feel as though we've got the timing right and that's looking really strong. So whatever comes after that will be just added to the team. Conditions, conditions, conditions. That's what it's going to come down to. I'm pretty sure, however, that they do have plan A best 11, plan B best 11. Plan A or plan B will either have Stoinis or Labashane in it and vice versa. So once they get out there and have a look at those conditions or know what the conditions are going to be, and let's face it, if it's going to be shorter than what we think as in shorter than the 50 overs because of the rain, then Marcus Stoinis comes straight on in. So that was Andrew McDonald this morning, not being able to give too much away, um, aside from the fact that he knows that everyone's got an opinion and that he's got two pretty good options. Him and Paddy Cummins got two pretty good options right there. I'm thinking, like I've said yesterday, I'm thinking that they lean towards Marcus and especially with the weather. So I think Stoin gets the start. Travis Head's also spoken uh, in the last day to the media, so he was put up uh, to the media over there in India ahead of this one, and he spoke about if he was expecting to be targeted and all that kind of stuff. It's great that he's back in, but also what's his licence in an innings? I mean, what <laughs> what do you say to Travis Head when you're going out there? If you're, if you're the leadership squad, what's your licence to thrill or go into your show? What are you got to do here? He spoke about that. Yeah, there's definitely a balance. Yeah, just making sure I try and get that right. Um, nice to contribute in the first game, being a bit lean in the class couple. Um, so, yeah, I'll go out fresh-minded. Um, I'll just make sure that see a few technical things that I might want to make sure that I'm ticking right. Um, my mental space around what I'm expecting and, um, and and being calm and controlled in what I'm doing and, um, and reacting to what's coming down at me. If I'm doing that, then um, I'm happy. If I'm going away from that, then... Um, I'd be disappointed in the way I was playing. So um, I feel like I'm in a, in a really good mind space. It hasn't worked in the last couple of games. But a great opportunity to do it again in a couple of days' time. Licence, Travis, equals Travis, do what you do. <laughs> Just go out and do exactly what you are in the team for. So if you can get all those things right and back to processes again, then the licence is exactly his. And then, of course, you have tonight. 
New Zealand v India. A massive task on both sides. India hot to trot. 9-0 and coming into this stage. They're unbeaten. They're at home. We know all of that. New Zealand, with their pressure and their history in World Cups coming into this. So Kane Williamson, um, in charge of the Kiwis, has spoken about the challenge of facing India in a semi-final at a World Cup. We know it's going to be a, a really tough challenge. Um, they're a, a side that's been playing extremely well, but um, we also know come finals time, um, everything sort of starts again, and uh, it's all about the day. So for us as a team, it's very much the, the focus on, on our cricket again. Um, we've played some good cricket throughout. We've had a couple of narrow losses and, and a few wins along the way, which have um, put us in this position we were in. So um, we're, we're excited at the challenge yet. I think every, every game uh, in this tournament is a tricky one. Uh, I think if we, as we've seen throughout any team can beat anybody on the day and whether that's obviously the quality in both sides but also the change in conditions and how that has an impact so for us it's great to have got to the final stages and and then take a fresh approach because it, it does start again the underdog thing from what you guys write i don't think it has changed too much but that's fine you know and india have been exceptional one of the if not the best team um, going around and they're playing cricket that matches that but we know as well on our day when we play our best cricket it certainly gives us the best chance and come finals time anything can happen it's a good approach i reckon and and the kind of approach you'd expect from kane williamson here because if he goes down the road of well we're trying to slow you know we're trying to do this against india we're trying to do that we're trying to Basically, they're saying it starts again. So nine wins on the trot doesn't mean anything. And home crowd doesn't mean anything. They know it does, but this is their mindset. This is a brand new tournament starts now. There are four teams left. You win two matches, you win the thing. So it's a pretty good approach coming from a a skipper of a team that's been, been patchy on the way through. They've definitely been patchy. They, they scrape into the semis here. They're going to have the job against India, who will have pressures that are completely different to their opposition on, on an entirely different scale. And pressure does funny things to sporting teams, and so too does championships, in this case, World Cups, because the closer you get, the harder it gets, as weird as that sounds. And that's where strange things happen. Uh, 0457736736. Now, Matt, as we've been discussing this morning, CIOs, Chief um, Inspiration Officers, as Dan McCarty put it, CAO, he was the Chief Antagonisation Officer this morning. (laughs) Matt says a job ad. We're looking for the right fit for our newly created CCC role, Chief Club Chaperone. In this role, you'll be responsible for the care of our marquee players at nightclubs during the season. Roles would suit ex-police, ex-bouncer, ex-boxer. Please apply to our CFO, COO, GM or HR manager. <laughs> okay, the triple C, chief club chaperone. Well, actually, quite a few clubs already have them, mate, as in security or, you know, hey, look at the clock, boys. It's time to go. Um Most roles are taken, it seems. We need to take our final break, then we'll come back and wrap it up after this. Afternoons with Jimmy Smith is coming up. Former Wallaby Sterling Mortlock will join James the Sabo, then the run home, of course. Tomorrow, make sure you're tuned in. Thursday mornings, everyone's a winner on a Thursday on the morning show, so we'll do our quiz. I don't know which way we'll go with the quiz tomorrow, but I'm sure I'll find some questions. I mean, we're pretty heavily loaded up with horse racing 
given it was the Melbourne Cup carnival last week. Um, Bryce McGain will join us after the cricket tonight and ahead of the cricket tomorrow. We'll talk wine with Ben Riggs from Ponting Wines and Christy Doran from The Raw um, to chat rugby. So The Raw's rugby editor, Christy, a great contributor to this show. So looking forward to that chat. That's all ahead of us tomorrow. But Jimmy Smith coming up, a couple of final texts. Uh, Matt, if it's all about eyeballs in cricket, not many will be watching if nothing's happening. So zero eyeballs move the game, says Rooster Man. Matty, a washed-out game of cricket should be settled on PlayStation. That's my wisdom for the day. I'll show myself out, says Tiger Dave. Have a good one, Matt. Oh, well, that's probably a good way for us to leave it today. I think you've had the final say there, Tiger Dave, and I appreciate it. Thanks for all of your input today. Brenton in the studio today, thank you for that, mate. Appreciate it as well. We'll be back again tomorrow morning at 9. We'll see you then. Have a great day, everybody. Bye for now.